This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Our friend Aaron Torres joining us today on Halftime. It's our last time we'll have him uh, during the year. And, uh, of course, we'll get back with him in 2024. A.T., how are you enjoying, uh, how are you enjoying all of these bowl games these days? Well, I love them, Phil. Um, you know, listen, I, I think it's a cool thing to say on social media. Oh, you know, these bowl games are meaningless. It's like I just got back from walking the dog. It's 9.19 a.m. Pacific time. And I got college football on my TV. Like, like if this is the big gripe that you have in life, and when I say you, I mean the proverbial you. I certainly don't mean you, Phil. If this is the big gripe that you have in life, you're, you must have the best life going. I mean, I just think it's a really fun week. A lot of people have time off of work. It gives you something to do. A lot of people do get to travel to see their team one more time. Uh, and I enjoy it. I really do. I thought the Alamo Bowl was fun last night. I thought the... The Holiday Bowl with USC was fun a few nights ago. I enjoy this week. I don't think anybody really disenjoys it as much as they say, uh, but I'm enjoying the heck out of watching some college football today, guys. How about you guys? Oh man, a- absolutely beautiful time of uh, time of year. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Aaron, I-, I wanted to get your thoughts on on the quarterback matchups with these final four teams. You 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 get t- kind of two different totally totally quarterbacks in JJ McCarthy and Jalen Milrow. With Alabama and Michigan, who do, which one of those guys do you think has to play the better game for their their team to win? Well, I think there's no doubt it, it's Jalen Milrow because Jalen Milrow is essentially Alabama's entire offense. I mean, you know, he's a, he, the last you know stretch of games where they've really stepped up. He's been their leading rusher. I obviously don't think he's an elite passer, but he's good enough. So I, I think there's no doubt that it's him. Michigan has proven they can not only win but beat good teams when J.J. McCarthy doesn't play well or even throw the football like they did against Penn State a few weeks ago. So to me, that's that's the big X factor is who is Jalen Milrow? How good is he? He got better over the course of the season. And can he continue to get better this week? Because I'll tell you guys, you know, I, I'll just I'm not going to beat around the bush. I like Michigan to win this game. And I haven't really heard anybody else make the argument for Michigan. But what I would say is, I keep hearing, well, well I mean, how, how's, how, how's Michigan going to move the ball against this Alabama defense? And I get it, but I haven't really heard anybody make the same argument against Alabama because this has not been a great offense all year long. Um, and I just find it interesting that everybody's focused on Michigan's offense against Alabama's defense. I haven't heard anybody make the argument for Alabama's offense against Michigan's defense. So to answer your question, I think there's no doubt, Matt, that Jalen Milrow has to have a big game for Alabama to win certainly not saying that he's incapable of doing it, but I don't see the pathway where Michigan holds him to, you know, 18 yards rushing on 11 carries and 192 yards passing, which is what he had against Georgia, by the way, in the passing yardage. I don't see the way in which uh, which Alabama wins the game unless Jalen Milrow is big, both throwing and running the football. As far as uh, Texas and Washington, I mean, you get one of Texas's big strengths and maybe maybe the best defensive line in the country as far as attacking the quarterback, and Michael Penix never gets sacked. you got great receivers, got a great run game. Um, you know, to beat Oregon two times and to be a double-digit yeah. underdog the second time they did it, um, I think there's I think there are a lot of people that are counting Washington out Um that I don't think they'd be right about this. Now, I'm not here to say that Washington's going to win the game. I still think Texas wins, but I think this comes down to the final drive. Um, and, man, I mean, it really could go either way. I think Washington could pull it off, but I just think Texas is a little bit stronger. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I, so I agree. I think it's going to be close and back and forth. The one thing that I've had a problem with with Washington is exactly what you just said, Phil, is, I keep hearing about all these NFL guys that Texas has up front, and people aren't wrong in saying that. But Norris has NFL guys up front as Oregon, and Washington just beat them for a second straight time. And by the way, under very similar circumstances to what they will play Texas in a few days in, uh, you know, in New Orleans. It's in a dome. Weather's not a factor. You know, everyone's talking about all these close wins Washington had. Go back and look. Oregon State was in a driving rainstorm. 
Washington State, a walk-off field goal win, was in cold, rainy weather. Utah, which was close for about three-quarters, was in cold, rainy weather. You put Washington on a dry, for lack of a better term, a dry field, but really just climate control, you know, no weather conditions, nothing at all. I think they're going to be able to move the football. So I'm very excited to see this game. I think the one thing, and this is certainly not a unique take in any stretch, way, shape, or form, I do think we're going to get two competitive games. I, I think there have been years where you could look at one semifinal and you could sit there and say, eh, you know, it's going to take something special for this game to even be competitive. I expect both these games to be competitive and really, really. Well, one thing I wonder about and that you read about uh, as far as uh, Alabama, Michigan, is Saban's record in playoff games. I think specifically in the first playoff game, when you have the month to prepare, he's only lost once. Um, how how much do you put into thinking Alabama, Michigan about the coaches, the way that they prepare, and Saban's record in round one of playoff games? Well, it's a great question, Phil. And, and you know, to, to double down on that, um, Jim Harbaugh has not. How about this? He hasn't won a postseason game at Michigan since his first year at Michigan, which I believe was the 2015 season. So we're talking about essentially like January 1, 2020, you know, 2016, 2015, something like that, as far as the last time he's won a, a, a postseason game. And again, it's the, under the same circumstances with time to prepare. Um, I, listen, I think it's a factor. I do. I don't think you can deny it. And what I'll say about Saban, I, I listen, and Matt can jump in on this because I'm curious for his perspective. I heard Nick Saban on Pat McAfee a few weeks ago talking about how they, they kind of really, the first two or three practices after finals, after that big break, they really go back to the fundamentals. Blocking, tackling, um, you know, just contact, getting getting back in the rhythm of getting contact. Maybe that's like a very normal thing to do. But I think it speaks to, in my opinion, and maybe it means nothing, but Nick Saban being the greatest of, of getting back to those fundamentals, to the simple things, not putting in the game plan, not feeling like you have to be on day one of bowl prep where you were the final day of the regular season. Matt, I would love for you to jump in. Is that a normal we thing had, to just go back to the real, real basics after a long extended break like that? Yeah, we had. So Coach Houston Nutt was the best, man. He he really was. And and to be honest with you, the players loved it. We we had over 200 live scrimmage plays my, my freshman year before our Cotton Bowl on January 1. And it's like you said, you would, you would take a little time off you'd get for, for finals or whatever, but then you would come back and you would hit. I think it's very important uh, that they tackle and and, and hit right now. You don't want to go 28 days uh, with, with without tackling or hitting. So that's that's very good because you have plenty of time uh, to, to to rest back up. That that being said, Aaron, who, who's the pressure on? Is it on Harbaugh or Saban? Who who's feeling the heat? Who 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 has the most pressure on them? You know, it's weird. I, this might sound weird. I don't know if either team has pressure. Let me explain why. I think the the answer to your question is probably Harbaugh because they haven't won one of these playoff games. They're a very senior-laden team. But again, I also bring it up to say I have yet to really hear anybody make the definitive case outside of myself that Michigan is going to win this game. And so, I mean, if everybody thinks Alabama's going to win, is it like our, 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 our national sports talk radio shows or I'll be on Fox Sports Radio, like, like is it going to be like a colossal disappointment for Michigan to lose this game? No, I think because Alabama, most people seem to think is going to win. And then from the Alabama perspective, you know, I was out to dinner last night with a few guys who cover the team and this and that. And like, I think they're, they're still sort of in shock how this season played out as bad as they looked in week two, week three, trying to figure out Jalen Milrow and then to get progressively better. I do think they feel like there's a little bit of a team of destiny vibe to this team, especially with the opportunity to potentially play Texas down the road. But I also, like, I think if Alabama were to lose, I think most Alabama fans would appreciate and respect that Nick Saban basically got the most out of this team that he possibly could. So I don't know if it's a cop-out answer, Matt. I would lean towards more pressure on Michigan. But I kind of think that both teams, because of the way the narratives have formed around this game, I think both. I don't think either team is going to walk off. The, uh, they're going to be disappointed. But I don't think the media will see it as a colossal failure if either team doesn't win this game. 
Yeah, I think with with Michigan last year that they the, the loss to TCU. I I agree with you, and, and Saban did. I think he squeezed as much of, the, of this limit as he can squeeze. Uh, I mean, they they totally they benched their quarterback for a game and had to had to kind of change the offense around him. Um, but but that being said, man, Alabama still has a lot of talent. I have trouble getting past the idea that they. I felt like they got lucky. You got to be good to be lucky, but I felt they got that lucky game. in the Iron Bowl. Yeah. But then I balanced that against how well they played against Georgia in the, in the SEC championship mm-hmm. game. I don't know what to think of Alabama sometimes. Well, and that's real quick. And, and if we got to go, guys, cut me off. I apologize. Um, but that's where I get a little tripped up on Bama myself. Is could have lost the Iron Bowl. And then, even in the, the SEC championship game, we all watched it. But Georgia outgained them. Alabama had under 200 yards of, of passing, and they averaged about two and a half yards per carry. Like, they were not dominant offensively. Now, the defense is great, but I just bring it up because, like I said to lead the segment, everyone is so convinced that Alabama's going to win and that, you know, Al- that Michigan's going to struggle to move the ball against Alabama's defense. And I think that's fair. I don't think enough people are talking about the reality. I think Alabama could struggle to move the ball against Michigan's defense when they have the ball themselves. Okay, so I, we'll let you go with the with the idea that, man, you get to work in the Rose Bowl, don't you? You're going to be at the game. That's where you and I, I met last year, and um, and you're, you're working on some of the post game, right? Last time I was working – last time I was in the Rose Bowl, I was working halftime with Phil Elson. Uh, yeah, now I uh, – yeah, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to the game, but I'll be doing post-game radio from the studio. I'll be on it. 10 Central, or 10 Eastern, 9 Central. So I'll be coming on basically in the first quarter of that Sugar Bowl, and I'll take you right through the end of that game. It'll be a lot of fun, National Radio. If you're tuning in, feel free to tune in to Fox Sports Radio then. Ring in the new year in style at the Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas. They have something for everyone. The Grand New Year's Eve Buffet is served in the Venetian Dining Room. The Festival Party with live music by the Parker Francis Band, cash bars, and a champagne toast. And the 99th New Year's Eve Gala features live music from Stardust Big Band, a five-course gourmet dinner with wine and more. Room packages are available. Go to arlingtonhotel.com forward slash NYE 2023 or call 501-623-7771. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dave and his team have all your holiday drink options. That includes Fireball and Bailey's Chocolate, Jack Daniels Crown Salted Caramel, Winter Seasonal Beers, Eggnogs, and more. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. It's looking, uh, you know, West Virginia won their bowl game a couple days ago. They they went four and eight last year, eight and four this year. Arizona scores 25, uh, <clears throat> 25 unanswered points to win the Alamo Bowl and only their second 10 win season in 25 years. That's after they were five and seven last year, one and 11 the year before in Judd Fish's first year. And I, I start wondering to myself, well, I'm not the only one wondering this. You've probably been thinking it really for not the last month, but for the last eight weeks or so. How does Arkansas get into a place where they can make a big improvement off of a four-win season? Like earlier, Matt, in the show, I'd asked, you know, they go to the Liberty Bowl last year. You win it. That's seven games. Leads you thinking, well, you should have, you you should be able to build off of that, and you didn't build off of that. I'd like to see better than six wins last year or next year, but I do see, <clears throat> I see some programs that have made big strides moving forward. Just look at what Missouri did, and I hate to put it in those in those terms, but Missouri is the most um, is the most improved program in the conference from last year to this year. They finished under 500 last year. They're playing tonight in the Cotton Bowl. And, um, you know, I know you, I know you got to add through positions in the warp zone. You got to recruit well. You got to hope some of your, some of the recruits that have stuck around improve. But, uh, I'd like to be, I'd like to be in a position a year from now, Matt, where we're looking back on the football season or almost looking forward to, to a game that Arkansas is playing in the next few days. What does it take to get there? Well, you got to stop. Uh, you got to stop losing your in-state guys. That, that that's for sure. I mean, when 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 kind of year after, what do we lose? Four of our top ten players, or something like that, this year. And you kind of making that a habit. Uh, that's that's not gonna. That's not the way to to, to fix it. Uh, you got to get some speed. Uh, we don't have enough playmakers. There's that's no. Uh, who who scared you on this offense? Absolutely nobody. So you you got to get some more talent, and some speed, and then. 
we 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 hope that uh, Petrino picks the right quarterback. We we hope that a quarterback emerges and and who's going to be the the next guy. You, you're going to have to have some talent at at that level. Um, but but yeah, I, I think we're missing out on 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 a lot of in-state guys and and. Um, and we got to get some more speed. That's that's the two things I would try to stop. I mean, I'd put a fence up uh, around this state and, and, and get as many in-state guys as you can get up there. It feels like, I mean, and I know we've gotten into this a little bit before with KJ, but even with some other positions, it felt like, you know, you had assumed starters uh, going into the season that didn't have the kind of seasons that you were hoping for. With Rocket, I think it was it was more injury-related than anything else. With with KJ, it's not like he was really going to compete for the job because he'd been the starting quarterback two years in a row. Um, but uh, it wasn't because of injuries that he wasn't as effective. So so now, man, you have a great battle for quarterback next year, and I think you're going to have a battle at running back too. Um, AJ Green's in Tulsa. You still have Dubinian, uh, Augusta showing up. They like say Braylon. They yeah. say Braylon Russell might be is is might be ready to play the moment he gets to campus. You know, after spring ball and everything. So, I don't think there is. Uh, I think Augusta probably, but it also feels Matt like you'll have a real competition to see to. who totes the rock more. Yeah, absolutely. You need two guys, and and, and who can have the hot hand? I like Dubinian. I think Dubinian will will only get better. He's he's going to be better next year. Another college off season. Uh, yeah, you'd like what you've seen out of Augusta. Uh, it's going to be um, got to get some some help on the outsides, which I think Petrino didn't he get a kid from A and M that's that's coming over through the through the warp zone or that's just, not yet. Just talk about we're ho- they're hoping for it, but if you're if you're hoping to get Evan Stewart because of his uh, because he likes Bobby Petrino, well, you, you're going up against the likes of Tennessee and Oregon and Ole Miss also to try to get. Uh, Evan Stewart you services. You want to go to Ole Miss. You want to go to Petrino and and and, and let him uh, coach. You. He's already got a sense of you. You you want to come up, come up here and play in his offense. He knows how to use you a little bit. And there's there's opportunity here. You yeah. Know, there's there's if you can play a little bit, man. Come, come up. I like Armstrong too, Phil. He's going to be better. He, he he's going to be better. And then you you got to move Tesla inside. He's not an outside guy. You you can match him up so many different ways inside and, and match him up on linebackers and safeties. He's just not a... But he's going to be better as well. I mean, he will be better after a college offseason, but he catches everything. So if you can have this... You, you, you make these triangles out there that's, you know, if it's 10 yards down the field, however you're, however you're hitting, man, that, that's, that's, his, that's his sweet spot. Kind of like a, an Antonio Gates where you're, you're running him a, on a flag route on a, on a safety or you're you running him an option route on a linebacker. Those are the types of matchups he can win. Well, as far as the, the warp zone is concerned, you bolstered the offensive line. You knew that had to happen. They say they're still looking for offensive linemen, but they're probably a little bit difficult to find here, at least quality offensive linemen that are ready to compete in the SEC this late in the process. You've bolstered quarterback through the warp zone. One of the guys that's going to compete for the job and very well may win it is Taylor Green coming out of Boise State, bolstered tight end a little bit as far as blocking is concerned with Andreas Paskey and, um, you know, getting sorry and slaughter to help defensively so uh but I, you, what, what you haven't seen matt no running back has come in yet <clears throat> you lost one running back and no wide receivers have come in yet and it and and that that's another aspect of what i was getting at with kj and with rocket how there really wasn't competition to see who was going to be the starter um i feel like it's that way with the wide receivers right now as well. Like, I agree with you. Armstrong is is wide receiver number one for this team. But I think there's probably room for somebody else to slide in there and compete to be number one or number two, right? If you're a guy like Evan Stewart and you're, you're, you're wondering, why would you go want to play at Ole Miss? Well, they've got a lot of options there already. Um, they'll be fighting. They'll be fighting for. Uh, they'll be fighting for whoever's going to throw them the ball to to say, "Hey, don't forget about me." At Arkansas, I feel like the right wide receiver could come in and and battle to be the number one option with Armstrong. Because I think going into spring, Armstrong is no doubt top of the list for you. But there's still a little bit to be desired. You know, I mean, we're, we're waiting for Satania to to grow into what we hope will happen for him. Uh, Jaden Wilson, the same way. I um, feel like there's probably another 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 spot for a wide receiver to come in. Yeah, those those guys are only going to get better. 
It's uh, if if you're if you can get open, Petrino is going to find a way to get you the ball. It, it, it's not a problem if you, if you have uh, you know, a Joe Adams and um, Kobe Kobe Hamilton and and the Jarius Wright. You got if you got a couple guys that are NFL guys, you're he's going to find a way to get all you guys the ball. You look at yep. Washington, sorry Phil. You look at Washington right now. Two two stud receivers, two guys that are going to probably be a first rounders. You know, two guys that are going to play on Sundays. That's a good thing to have with with when you talk about Michael Penix, and he gets the ball out so quick to those guys. He's also good at fitting a ball into a window. I mean, if you're going to be an NFL quarterback, if you're really going to be a, a, a prospect to play at the next level, then you got to have, as you've talked about quite often, that next level arm talent. And and yeah, it's the it's the ability to throw it long. But man, you you've got to be so accurate. Twenty yards and under, you you can't miss your spot. That's that's you're exactly right. You have to be at, you have to be so accurate and time, timing helps. Well, and I think it became <clears throat> it became obvious throughout this season. KJ's accuracy was not at that level. Um, wide receivers had to work sometimes for balls that were thrown near them, and for a group of receivers that had trouble getting open. It, it's not the right quarterback to try to fit it into those tight windows or the little spot where you might have some room. And <clears throat> like, I wonder if Taylor Green is that kind of quarterback because that was the knock on him at Boise State. And maybe a few months working with Petrino helps out. Um, but I do wonder about his uh, his accuracy specifically. Let's take a call from Brian, and then we'll uh, we'll take the break and wrap up our number one. Brian, what's going on here on our last show of the year? Hey man, I was just reading, listening to y'all talk about Evan Stewart, and I gotta say something. I was in Texas the last fifteen years working in Oldfield, and I read a lot about Evan Stewart. And the kid's a winner; he wants to win. That's why he's leaving A and M is because A and M has no shot for him anymore. <clears throat> he's not gonna go to school that doesn't have a shot at a national title. I'll say that. Well, that's and, uh, the point. I mean, I'm, I'm you read the, you read about the schools that are that are interested in him, and and it's, yeah, it's Oregon, just, it's Tennessee, it's, it's tough. It's tough to envision, no matter how good he feels about Bobby Petrino, that he would that he would pick Arkansas. But weirder things have happened. Yeah, he's going to go to you know every legit top contenders school in the country wants Texas with so many receivers, it's hard to. Hard to imagine he would go to Texas because they already have like four. I mean, they got like sixteen receivers at Texas right now, and they're all four and five stars. I, I don't think he wants to go to Texas, but you know, I think he's going to go to Ohio State or possibly Michigan or others. I also think he'll end up going to a place where he's got a better sense of who may end up being the quarterback. Uh, so Evan Stewart. The next man uh, to make a well, there's a lot of big decisions for these players to make, a lot of them. Um, but I know, I know, Hog fans for a minute were hoping that Stewart may decide on Arkansas. He hasn't made any decision yet. I think he still has options to visit. Again, it, it does feel like it'd be a surprise um, if it was at Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use Use our promo code believe that's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Matt, you want to just turn this into a two golden hours? You, you were before we started this. You were you were really one hour till the golden hour. Well, I mean, it's the last show of the year. Why not have two of them? Holiday hours for sure. Uh, we we still have nine bowl games to pick. We get Coach Z coming up, man. He's always mm-hmm. a joy. 
uh, to have, and so get into some basketball talk. I, I do want to find out too what he thinks about the college foot. You know these these four games. I'm sure he's a sports fan, and he'll be watching uh, watching the the Alabama Michigan. And I think the, Zim watches more sports than anybody. Right? I, know. I want to see what he thinks about it too. I always you love fo- his take. You follow his Twitter. He's 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 watched all the bowl games. Um, he watches any SEC basketball game that he can get his eyes on. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's about as addicted to sports as anybody else. So we'll get his thoughts on all of that stuff. Uh, this will be a tough one, you know. I mean, it, it's, uh, this, is, this is kind of an interesting Wilmington team. You know, we focus on that they beat Kentucky on the road. They, they, they're 9-2. Some of those wins coming against Mount Olive, Columbia International. We need a Mount Montreat. Like, the only home games that Wilmington has played have been against either NAIA schools or, you know, Division Two. So that's, this is a, this is a really interesting team. I mean, they played, I don't know where they went for Thanksgiving, but it wasn't home. They literally, Matt, haven't played a Division One team at home. And this is the last chance for a basketball team in college to get paid, right? Like well, UCA, they, they lost at Oklahoma last night. They got paid to be there. Where is UCA tomorrow? They're playing Missouri. So this is in, in Columbia, not in Conway. So it's a chance to get paid. I'm, I'm sure that Arkansas is paying uh, halfway decent money to get Wilmington to show up for this ball game, And uh, they'll, they'll, they'll show up with a 9-2 and two record, but that record is also 6-2 and two against Division I teams. That's why their net is not where you would think it would be for a team that won against Kentucky because they have three wins that literally do not count in the net rankings. But I don't know if that makes them any less scary. It's just it's just interesting to see how some teams have to have to schedule. They're really deep. Um, you know, must talked about it. You can even you just look at the stats here. They've got four, eight, ten players. Ten players that average at least Twelve minutes a game. You, you, you know, know they do hockey line changes. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, Phil. You know, their five leading min, minute guys are red shirt seniors, graduate seniors. Mm-hmm. They got one junior. They're all upper upper classmen. A- absolutely. That is another thing that I, I remember pointing it out yesterday that would worry me about this game tomorrow for an Arkansas team that's still. I mean, they're still breaking in Keon Menefield. And it feels like they were they've been breaking each other in as teammates for these first two months. You're playing a team that's I mean, I guess I could use the term cohesive. They've played a lot of games together. They've they've had a lot of reps. I think I think you're right. There's something to be said about that. You remember um Phil, when when LeBron said he's taking his talents to Miami, talking about how many they're going to win, and they didn't win it that first year, you know, it, and, and they still had the All Stars there, you know, still a great team, uh, but it takes a little while to kind of get on the same page. Even that's the, and my point is that's the best players in the world, and it still took them a year to get on the same page, and you're seeing it take, you're kind of seeing it right before your eyes. Uh, instead of having something that's that's there and like, oh, these guys have played here three, four years, but that's just not the the college basketball landscape anymore. I guess that's really what's <clears throat> one of the things that's made um, the the men's team success at Arkansas uh, surprising isn't the right word to do it. It's just it's amazing to see it, it, it's a program, right? It is a program, but year to year the roster has been so dramatically different. But we've had it's a been point a compl- guard every year. Well, that's true. We that's a good point. The, the, I think the last couple of years, you know, Anthony Black's a generational talent, and, and but even going back those last couple of years, you had NBA talents that were they're playing significant minutes. You mean you had a guy lead the country in charges? You know, that's that's such a that's just such a great that's that's such a better stat than blocks. You know, those blocks can be misleading because you don't necessarily get the ball back. You might bounce it out of bounds, or they get the ball back. A charge is you get the ball right back. It's a turnover. The two guys you're mentioning there are both in the NBA right now. You know, Black, who know, Anthony Black is a is a who, starting who that point, point guard, guard as that a first rookie. Year? The the was it JD Note and Moses Moody were those the the two point guards those couple years when when Devo was uh you know a freshman and sophomore and they're making their run. No, it was uh oh why am I forgetting his name? He was he'd return, uh, Jimmy Witt was the point guard that first year. Um but he also was a veteran. He'd been around for he'd been around for like four or five years by that point. Uh, Jalen Tate was a point guard for you as well, and uh, and he'd uh, he'd come up 
you know, but I, I can see where you're going. I mean, it's like the idea. It's been your question all throughout the season. Who's who's well, going to be your point guard? And and, I, and I'll ask Coach Z. Uh, you know, Khalif. He's he's such a an, an amazing scorer, but can, he needs to be that guy that can do more things than just score. You know, what else can you do to help the help, help the team out there uh, in, in, instead of score? I think that would be a beneficial if he can do that because he's going to be getting the minutes and he's going to be getting a lot of the shots. Yeah, he tweeted out yesterday about people uh, being critical of the shots that he takes and, and says, don't you think Coach doesn't have a problem with that because these are the same shots I take in practice? But he's focusing on the shots, not the other thing. That's like, what I can't, yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, how often do you have the conversation with the kid, um, you know, during practice, in meetings, on the bench, we need this, 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 and this from you. Like, you know if you're Caleb Battle, and you're coming off the bench, that your job also is to be is to score. You're I mean, a that's lightning what Mus- rod. Yeah, no, that's what he wants out of his out of his out of his bench players. I mean, he brought it up yesterday about why you have Tremont Mark and Caleb Battle coming off the bench instead of starting. It's like, well, because it's it's like immediate energy. If you if you need a boost, well, you got these two guys that can give you immediate energy by scoring. Mark does a few more things. I can't imagine that they haven't had that talk with Battle or a number of talks with Battle. It's like, yeah, we're going to need you to score, but that can't be the one thing you do. There have to be – you can't just be a one-trick pony well, in basketball too often. And, and that's the thing. There's multiple ways to earn playing time, and, and I don't think Coach Muss is giving away playing time. I think it, it, it's all earned. 877-377-6963 if you want to think about uh, any of that stuff. So that's what we'll do on New Year. On uh, that's what we got tomorrow. Uh, you get the women's team playing on New Year's Eve, and that's a day game. Got a got a bunch of NFL games. I mean, that's an NFL Sunday, Matt. I love uh, the idea of of either uh, big college football games or some meaningful NFL games uh, the day before the year starts. Reminds me, though, I remember one of my favorite games I watched, and it was the last NFL game of the '80s. Back when the playoffs actually started in December. And uh, the Steelers beat the Oilers in Houston on a 51-yard field goal in overtime by Gary Anderson. And I stayed up as late. Well, I think I stayed up later. Gary back Anderson. The, back wow. in those days. Yeah, on a fumble created by Rod Woodson. 26, mm-hmm. yeah. But... Um, those are back in the days I could stay up until until midnight. Well, the the beauty about the Premier League, uh, Phil, is you get a game Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and they start a little earlier. So you know it's kind of around your afternoon nap or your morning brunch. You know you can get out there, but they're you're right. the The holidays is just so cool with all the games you get, all the bowl games, all the soccer games you want. The NFL's really getting down to it. There's a couple. There's a couple playoff pitchers. If you're if you're looking at Baltimore and Miami, a couple seating issues that you have have going on. It's it's a it's a beautiful time for sport. Yeah, Baltimore, Miami. That's a great game. Uh, Chiefs and Bengals. That should be an interesting game. And the Steelers and the Seahawks Lions, are uh, Lions, both trying Cowboys to fight tomorrow. to get in there. Is that, oh, that's is that what the you were thing. saying? Yeah. Well, that was that's the other. I love that they're doing this on a Saturday night because you don't have a. There's no Monday night game because January first is is when is when the college playoffs are. So it's kind of jarring to think about this that um, ABC is putting their Monday night football telecast, which is a game that man would compete with the best of college football regular season games and probably dominate over it. Uh, but yeah, the Lions and the Cowboys, and of course, why would why would ESPN, ABC decide to do that? Well, there ain't going to be any other football or really many other sporting events to be paying attention to um, next uh, next Monday. And once about four thirty comes and that first game kicks off, it's pretty much what uh, what the rest of the day is about. And also, I guess finding a way to get some black eyed peas. And do you do the black eyed peas? Yeah, yes, yes, sir. And and maybe by the time we come back, Phil, the Detroit Pistons have won a basket an NBA basketball game. Doubtful. Yeah. Doubtful. It's one of those years. The Lions make the playoffs and the Pistons can't win. Literally can't win. That's not a franchise that should ever be mired in a losing streak like this. I know no NBA franchise ever has been mired in a losing streak like this. But I still, I know it's been a minute since Detroit's been really good, but they get three world championships. Three world championships that happened in my lifetime. I liked them better when Stan Van Gundy was their coach. 
Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey & Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Time to talk with Razorback basketball radio analyst Matt Zimmerman, longtime assistant coach, of course. Zim, we're going to hear from you tomorrow uh, for the final game of the non-conference and of the 2023 year. How you doing, man? How was your Christmas? Oh, it was awesome, Phil. Uh, it was I got to go home to St. Vincent, which for a lot of folks in northwest Arkansas, they don't know so much where that is, but uh, it's outside of Moralton, 10 miles north of Moralton on Highway 95. It's where I grew up. And uh, so, you know, my parents, you know, and my dad's 93, and uh, my mom's in her late 80s, and so uh, just getting to be with them, great blessing. All my siblings, uh, nephews, nieces, cousins, it was nice. So I got I was home for, from Saturday till Wednesday, and great christmas hope hope you guys all had a nice christmas also yeah coach it was uh it, it was good got to see the family as well uh before we get into a little basketball i want to ask you about the these these bowl games we got going on uh, I, I know as a as a sports fan uh yeah. who, who do you got in this alabama michigan and texas washington because i think coach i think they're both coin flip games how do you see it yeah. shaking out well, it's really interesting. All the bowl games have been so fun. And of course, they've got all these players not playing, which is bad to me. But I've loved watching these games at Fenway and Yankee Stadium and all these different crazy games. I was all fired up the other day to watch that A&M-Oklahoma State game, and then the kid got hurt right off the bat. First mm-hmm. play for A&M. It really kind of changed that game. But as far as those playoffs, man, it, it's, it's going to be good. I think Michigan's got a great team. And I think that they may be better than people are kind of even giving them credit for. But everyone likes to beat up the Big Ten. So, uh, but I'll, 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 I do hope Alabama wins just for the SEC. A lot of people don't believe in that theory, but I do like uh, Nick Saban. I think he's. Uh, I don't. I don't love Alabama football by any stretch, but I, I hope they you respect him. Yeah. Yeah, I got 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 respect for him for sure. And you know, really, I thought the league uh, should have had two teams in Georgia's. <laughs> He's maybe the best team in the country or the second best team, and they don't get in, but that's just kind of how it was this year with this playoff. And the other game's going to be awesome as well, and I think Texas will probably probably beat Washington, I would, I would think so. So it'll be great January 1st. Looking forward to it. Be the last year you only have one SEC team in the playoff, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a sense you're going to see, you, you see three, maybe more often than you even see two. Yeah. Um, see a lot. Hey, yeah. Before we get into the matchup tomorrow, um, we talked a bit about uh, Coach Richardson's 82nd birthday the other okay. day, and yeah. and I, was it War Machine that that put out the video of uh, strolling with Nolan? And yeah, I'll, I I'm so. always entertained by that. Not but not for anything that Nolan did, because all he did was throw his his jacket around his shoulder and and walk off yeah. the floor. It's it's Zim who's who's <laughs> yeah. running behind Richard Coach yeah. Richardson, and then is, is make sure he gets into the locker room before coach does yeah. <laughs> i was fixated yeah. on you on that video matt uh i appreciate it yeah that was my senior year and i was sitting down there and i couldn't believe they'd called that intentional on lee mayberry i knew he tried to grab the ball and wrap him up and 
you know, Texas, you can go back then, the Superdrum, you could go down there, and sometimes it'd be, Arkansas would go there, it would always be pretty full, and a lot of Razorback fans would, would be there as well, but, you know, that, that Sunday was absolutely packed, national TV, and they had a good team. They had a final eight team, in it, but they couldn't beat Arkansas, and they were struggling to beat the Razorbacks throughout that that era right there, and Coach Hurston kind of had Tom Fender's number, and looked like they were finally going to get us, and when Coach took off to go to the locker room, I didn't even see it. And uh, Dave England, of course, Matt knows Dave England. Yeah. I know Dave England, longtime trainer. And then Dave was like, gee, go, go, coach is leaving. Don't let him in. I looked down there, there's coach, and he's almost down to the Texas pitch by that time. And he, I noticed he didn't shake their hands or anything. He just rolled through. And uh, I, he always shook the other uh, coach's hand after a game. And he, he rolled on through, and I didn't know if he was planning to come. I didn't know what was going on. And so I uh, went and let him in, and he was very quiet. He was upset, but he was not mad, throwing anything, nothing like that. He was just quiet. And I unlocked the locker room, asked him if he needed anything. He said, no, I remember he threw his coat down. I just grabbed the coat, hung it on this little hook right there, and went back out. And by that time, Mayberry and Day, and they worked the magic. And Lee hit that shot, and we're going to overtime. And I just took off and ran right across the court, and I went and got him. And it got him in a lot of trouble. Um, I probably shouldn't have. I didn't, I didn't ask anybody. I didn't ask Coach Edgar, Scott Edgar, or Wayne Stellick, or Mike Anderson. I just ran in there and told him we were going to overtime, and Lee had hit this shot right. It, I remember saying it was right inside the half-court line, which it wasn't. It was closer to that. But at the time, it seemed like it was so far out. And I grabbed his coat, and I remember handing him his coat, and he was like, what? And I was like, let's go. And he went back out there and Coach, and he got blasted <laughs> for coming back out. But – uh it was really an interesting uh, game, and we smacked them in overtime. And when we, I remember when he walked underneath that tunnel when we were leaving, when he was walking off the court, how they were yelling at him and they were cussing him. And then when he went back through that tunnel the second time, it was dead quiet. It was dead quiet. It was it was a great celebration in that locker room for the Razorbacks. Hey, coach, uh, this year's team. It, it seems like they're kind of they're kind of being hunted uh, a, a little yeah. bit. How, how, how does this team get a little more consistent and not? Do, do this, they they understand that you know the last three years the success this team had. You know this is a new group of players, and so we can get. It looks like they get up for the the Duke game, or if they want to circle the game on the on the yeah. schedule. But th- they understand that everybody circles this Razorback game, and they want to beat you guys because of the success yeah. y'all been having. But it's a new group of players. Players. Well, you're so right. That, that's very well said because I think that's what it is. And that's not an excuse for these guys. I mean, you only get 31 regular season games. You better be ready to play every time. You know, whether you're playing Old Dominion or playing Alcorn or Greensboro or or, or Memphis, mm-hmm. you've got to be ready to go. You've got to be ready. It's basketball. It's not like you're out there eight hours. It's a, it's a two-hour game, and you 40 minutes. And you've got to be ready. And I do think there's been times that this team is. They're they're very well prepared. The coaching staff's going to prepare them. I just think that they have just been sluggish at times. And to me, uh, now they're still eight and four. You got you got eight wins. Yeah, yeah. And you got some really good wins. You got some really good wins. But you know the the defense number one has been the biggest thing and stopping dribble penetration. We've given up some open threes, but a lot of those have been based off of those of the opponents driving it too much. And I do think coach is very. Uh, motivated to get that fixed. He's been talking about that since well, we saw Oklahoma just beat us time after time. Well, North Carolina, too, beating us constantly off the dribble. And then even in the first half against Abilene Christian, so I know that's been an area that he's working on and practiced heavily with these guys. And I don't know how much scrimmaging they've been doing. You know, They're not a scrimmage-heavy type program. It's great practices, but they're different type of practices than an old, you know, scrimmage. But maybe this week they've been scrimmaging a lot. I'm not sure. And uh, but I think you'll now as we get into the league, I do think these guys will step up and turn it up because uh, you know we're going to be playing some better teams. And sometimes the league is not that much better than your non-conference. It just depends on who you play. And so we played some good people, but but instead of getting to play an Alcorn here and there, we're for the most part going to be playing you know, Stanford's and Memphis's more often. And by the way, Memphis is winning the SEC. They're like 5-0 and against the SEC. It's, it's absolutely that, that Jones. That Jones kid from Memphis is the best player yeah. I've seen so far that y'all played against. That dude was absolute yeah. stud. He, he wore us out, the left-hander. You know, interesting, Matt, he, he played for Coach Anderson at, at St. John's. Wow. And he said he was going to stay there. And then when Coach Anderson got let go by St. John's, 
He went in the transfer portal, and uh, Memphis did a good job of recruiting him. And yeah, he's he's been the best guy. Him and the and the and the point guard at North Carolina, uh, R.J. Davis. Those are the two best I think we've seen. They they are outstanding. They kind of can do some things that others so far this season hadn't done. But yeah, I think that. Uh, I think the offense of this team has, has been okay. There's been times that it's, you know, I know Coach gets frustrated. They don't share the ball as much as he wants them to. You know, the assist numbers are down, Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the steal numbers are down, which goes back to the defense. Um, so the rebounding has not been where Coach wants it to be. There's been some games they've rebounded very, very well. But there's been games that they've struggled on the glass. And I think when as they get uh, into, into the SEC, and then he, including tomorrow against Wilmington. I know this team is going to be very motivated to play well against Wilmington uh, because you know Wilmington comes in with a nine and two record, and so they they won at Kentucky. Now the one thing about Wilmington is when you look at their stats, they've got incredible stats, and then you start kind of going through the stats, and you're like, oh well, they they scored 119 on Montreat, and they scored 116 on the University of Mount Olive, and all these Phil Elson type schools over there, you know. And uh, <laughs> we got to get they, Mount they, Olive they, T-shirt, absolutely. Well, they got the they played the University of these are real games. They played the University of Mount Olive. They played Columbia International out of Columbia, South Carolina. We hung 116 on them, and they scored 119 on Montreat. That's not to make fun of Wilmington or those schools. Hey, those, they get Bishop Sycamore on the schedule too, Zim. Uh, no, no. <laughs> but you know, they, they, they when you look at their stats, you're like, my goodness, this is one of the most statistically eye pleasing teams. That you can see, and then you dig into it. Well, your stats are helped a lot when you're scoring 119 and 116 on NAIA schools. But um, they're a good team. They are a good program, and their program is going to be in the hunt out of the Colonial. And I learned this yesterday: the Colonial been around for 80 years. The Colonial Athletic Association way back in the day had BCU and Richmond and all those guys in it before they all left, and, and it's changing its name, uh, Phil. And they, they want us to call it the Coastal Athletic Conference. It's still going to be the CAA, but it's not. It's, it's now Coastal instead of Colonial. Interesting. I guess you got to have yeah. probably um, you know the name of a founding father in the, in the league in order to be called Colonial. Yeah. Um, I'll give you fifty bucks of someone else's money if you can tell me where Montreat College is located. Because when I saw their schedule, I was like, "Wait a minute, they went and played in Montreal. What's going on here? Where's Montreal oh, yeah. College?" I give you ten <laughs> seconds to think about this. Oh, I know exactly where it is. It's in Montreat, North Carolina. This fifty dollars of your money, C unit, that you got to give to to Zim. We have okay? about I fifty the, in our war. I zone. think I knew the answer yeah. too. Does that count? Yeah. I didn't know that. I know all these little small schools that most people don't know just from being around it. I'm always curious when I see their names. But I, I and I knew Mount Olive, and that's actually a D two school. But I had never heard of Columbia International, so I had to look it up yesterday and saw that it was in Columbia, South Carolina. So, uh, but it'll be good tomorrow. I wish it was at nighttime. I think it would be even better. I think we'll have a great crowd because we had not played the fourth part, middle of Saturday. You know, it's kind of the middle of everything. Hopefully there's a full house to watch this last non-conference game. And then what do you do the next day? Well, you, you might be on the call for the women's game on, uh, on I, I the am. side. And, and how about this? You know, usually I'm on that those with, uh, I've only got like three more women's games left because a lot of their games will be on the network or different things. But we all on SEC Network Plus on Sunday. And Brett Dolan is working, I don't know, a bowl game or something. He's always running around somewhere. And Brett will not be there. And so I'll be there with Dorian Kraft. You remember her? And Dorian. Yeah, I know Dorian. She's been doing, um, she's been doing UALR games. Yes. And so she had, she was on TV in Little Rock. And then her and her husband moved away somewhere. Ohio. Huh? It was Ohio. Yeah, yeah, and so I don't, I don't know if they've moved back or what, but uh, Brett told me the other day I was going to be doing it with Dorian, and Dorian reached out to me yesterday. So I'm excited to do a game with her. And uh, she was a, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought you may know, I think she, I think she played college softball at Virginia Tech. That's exactly yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think she's done some softball games at uh, at Bogle. So, yeah, that's pretty, yeah. Uh, that's cool. I'm glad she's doing that with you. Yeah, um, yeah. On the women's side, uh, I hope Emery's I hope Emery's elbow has has recovered and she's able right. to play. You know, I mean, it's just it's just it's funny. Like you're looking at with Muss, he's playing ten guys at a time sometimes, and yeah. Mike doesn't have ten players he can go to right no. now. And I just don't know where depth comes from. I just I don't see it at all. Well, for, for coach, 
coach neighbors and the staff now they they got they can't really afford any more injuries uh, or anyone leaving or anything like that. So you got to keep the ones that are there. Get Emery back out. I'm sure she'll be back. She seemed like uh, just in talking to coach neighbors that she would be back uh, after Christmas. So I would think that you know she'll be fine. We'll see uh, how that how that turns out and coming off the trip to Florida. And so that'll be interesting. But they've got you know they got to play finish up this non-conference. The women are different because they only play 16 league games. And so you get 15 non-conference. That's a lot. And I'm assuming that as they go to 16 teams in their conference, they're going to have to increase the number of, of conference games. So it'll be interesting. But they play a lot of non-conference games. I mean, you guys have been in Florida three times already. This uh, The women have been we in We get to go a fourth time. Yeah. We're, we're in Gainesville, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're there so, in, uh, in February. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Very unusual. But it needs to stay healthy. And, and Talia Scott continue to be the SEC Freshman of the Week every every week. And she has really, I don't want to say saved the, 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 the situation, but she has been so good. And she has and done it so many ways. She's fun to watch. She's crafty. She's smart. She can shoot. She can drive. I mean, you're literally looking at one of the best players in the country. And, and hopefully you have her for four or five years. And uh, she she is fun to watch. And she is, well, I will say it, she kind of saved, she, she has saved this team countless. We probably, uh, the women probably had two or three more losses without her. And so that that's big time production from a freshman. She has been so good. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.